Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Amen. You guys can be seated. Wow. I, know, I want you to know we've been speaking the name of Jesus over the 300 plus kids that are part of VBS. Uh, we've seen several come to know him personally and express interest in baptism. As I shared with you, some of those will be baptized right after the service. But that's all we've got. We got a message of a man named Jesus who came from God full of grace and truth. And I want you to know that our kids are hungry for that grace and that truth. In a world that's spinning faster and faster, crazier and crazier, where their bearings are lost, their relationships are disconnected, these children are hungry for Jesus. And I'm so excited about the future of our world and of Horizon West as these kids grow up and speak the name of Jesus into their families and into their workplaces, their schools, their neighborhoods, and their communities. And so today, what I want to do is I want to share with you what we've been sharing with our kids, because here's the thing. Truth is truth, no matter who you're speaking to. The truth for an eight-year-old is the truth for an 80-year-old, right? And so this week, we've been teaching the kids truths that can help them move in their relationship with Jesus. We don't believe that Jesus came to save the world and then just go sit on a throne and sit on his hands for a couple thousand years. We believe Jesus is active in the world, that when he poured out his Holy Spirit into those who responded through faith, that he commissioned us to go out and be his hands and feet in the world. Our theme this week for VBS has been ready, set, move. And so we're going to do that today. Uh, I want you to turn to somebody near you. This is audience participation. And I want you to talk to each other about what is your favorite mode of transportation. So airplane, uh, helicopter, uh, car for a road trip, you could say a cruise ship, whatever it is, your favorite place to travel or way to travel, go. Say it to each other, favorite way to travel. All right, and now let me bring you back in. Let me bring you back in. Um, I'll have to confess that I'm kind of a low-key control freak. And so for me, for me, there's no better way to travel than in my own vehicle where I am behind the steering wheel. Uh, I like to decide when I'm going to stop, what I'm going to eat, what's sitting in my cup holder next to me. Anybody a road tripper? <laughs> we got work to do, y'all. We have, uh, Nikki and I have taken our family on road trips through uh, Alabama, Mississippi into Louisiana. We've taken them up all the way to Portland, Maine, and everywhere along the way. We're talking about a road trip to Texas maybe in the next couple of summers. I love a road trip. I love to move in that kind of way. We just believe that God has called everybody to move in their faith journey. And what we share this week with our kids is four big ideas to help them get moving in their faith. So the first of those is this. First big idea is to believe in who Jesus is. That is the starting point always is our faith, our belief in who he is. Now in Jesus' own day, people had a wide array of things they believed to be true about him. Those ranged from things like he was a wise teacher, or after his crucifixion, some took him as a heroic martyr. 
There were people then, as there are now, that believed Jesus was little more than a delusional leader. That same confusion exists today. But Jesus, on one occasion, in the Gospel of Matthew, came to his disciples and wanted to help them understand more of who he was. And this is what it sounded like. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some are saying John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say I am? I want you to know that the most important question that has ever been asked in human history is that one right there. Who do you say Jesus is? The starting point of it all is faith in taking Jesus to be the one that he said that he is. And listen to what happened next. Simon Peter, one of the disciples, replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now this is an important sequence because there are people who would tell us that Jesus never claimed to be anything greater than a good teacher. Like they would say that when Jesus was crucified, his disciples said, well, we need him to live on in the hearts and minds of people, so we're going to tell him that he rose to life and that he is the Son of God and Savior of the world. But Jesus himself repeatedly made claims to the same end. Jesus said, when Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of God, Peter, Jesus said, you're exactly right. That's who he is. C.S. Lewis, the great theologian of last century, had an argument that has come to be known as liar, lunatic, or Lord. This is what C.S. Lewis said. I am trying to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus, which is, I'm ready to accept him as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of someone who says he is a poached egg, or he would be the very devil of hell. You must make a choice. The words of Jesus don't give us the option of just accepting him as a good teacher to pick and choose some truths to live by. The word of God teaches that he was in fact the son of God and savior of the world. But the important next question is then what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Let me illustrate it in this way. In the 18th, uh, or 19th century rather, the 1800s, there was a, a great tightrope walker named Charles Blondin. Has anybody ever heard of this guy? He was, he was also known as the Great Blondin, and his whole family was circus performers, but Charles Blondin took it to the next level. This man would stretch a tightrope from one end of the Niagara Falls to the other and walk back and forth. And as you can imagine, this grew great crowds of people. On one occasion, the Great Charles Blondin took a wheelbarrow with a sack of flour and without even being able to see his own feet, walked it from one end of the Niagara Falls to the other and back. And as he arrived back to the other side safely, the crowd cheered and cheered and cheered. And then he got their attention. He said this, how many of you believe that I could put a person in the wheelbarrow and go and come back? And they all cheered with great fervor. And then Charles Blondin said, who will get in? <laughs> and the crowd did what you or I would do. They got quiet. 
And the story that I heard, the way I heard it, was that one person in the back waved their hand and that individual loaded into the wheelbarrow and Charles Blondin successfully took him from one side of the Niagara to the other and back. It's important that we understand what faith or believing in Jesus is. It is not merely believing that certain things are true about him, like that he is the Son of God or Savior of the world. Did you know that the Bible says even the demons believe that truth about Jesus? What believing in Jesus means is we get in the wheelbarrow. We we put our life in his hands. We entrust ourselves to him in such a way that our future and our finances and our families and yes, even our very own soul are safe in the hands of the one who has redeemed us. So that when I get to heaven and stand before God, I don't have to pile up a list of accomplishments of what churches I went to or how many Bible passages I read. All I will say in the presence of God is Jesus paid it all. That his death for me on the cross was enough. This is what it means to believe in Jesus. Big idea number two is this. We then do what Jesus says. On Thursday, I was running some errands during VBS, uh, which is a great position for me to be in. I do really well just following instructions when other people say to do things. And so this is what I was doing throughout the week. And I was coming back from a shopping uh, trip back here for VBS. And I was turning on to Avalon, and as you might have seen around our community, there are construction trucks everywhere, right? And in this one particular uh, uh, situation, I am in the left turn lane, there's a massive construction truck blocking my view, and I need to turn left. I see that it's clear on this side, but I can't see this side. And then my eyes lock in on about a 19-year-old construction worker standing on the other side of the road. And a reality dawns on me, this is who I have to trust to take my left turn. So we do this kind of thing of like, do I trust you? Do you trust me? And I'm watching and watching. And all of a sudden, he gives me the go ahead. He goes, now what would you do in that, in, in that instance? Maybe I'm an idiot. I pulled out. And I'm here. And I was okay. But it's one thing to say, yeah, I believe this kid isn't trying to get me killed. Like, I believe he's doing his best. But to trust him, to do what he says, takes another level of courage and faith. And I can tell you with great confidence that the very little bit of trust that I placed in this 19-year-old construction worker, you can place massively more. In fact, you can put all of your trust in the one who loves you, created you, and died to save you. Here's the challenge of doing what Jesus says, though. Jesus said things that I don't really like doing. (laughs) Jesus said things like, turn the other cheek and love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus said things like, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And he also said, give to the one who asks you. Jesus even said this to his disciples and anyone who would follow after him, take up your cross and follow me. The implication was clear that to follow Jesus means to put your whole life on the line, to trust everything to him, that even in death you will confidently follow him for what is next. And just as we have a choice to believe in or not believe in who Jesus is, we have a choice in doing or not doing what Jesus says. The one thing that we must not do, the one thing that doesn't make sense is to say with our mouths we believe in Jesus, but then deny him with our lifestyles. Jesus had a word for those who would live in that way. It's common in our vernacular today, but at the time it meant something different. The word is hypocrite. 
In Jesus' day, the hypocrites were the Greek and Roman actors who would stand on a stage and perform for audience who's, who would cheer them on, and then they would go backstage and go back to being who they really were. And Jesus, in a scathing rebuke of the religious people of his day, said, you are mere actors. You're hypocrites. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You say you believe in God and reject the one that God sent. Jesus called this hypocrisy. Well, one of those Pharisees on one occasion came to Jesus and listen to what happens. This is Matthew chapter 22. One of the Pharisees, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. By the way, that's what hypocrites do. He said, teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, Jesus has some possible responses that he could offer. First, he could simply choose to ignore the question because he knows it's a trap. By the way, oftentimes, ignoring somebody who's trying to trap you in a debate is the right answer. Jesus often opted for that solution. Let me, let me say it a little more clearly. When you're on Facebook and someone is trying to trap you into a debate, often the best solution is just to not go there. Now, Jesus could have done that. He also could have said, what do you mean what's the most important? I'm the Son of God. Everything I say is important. Jesus doesn't choose either of those options. In a rare instance, Jesus chooses instead to answer the question as directly as it was asked. Verses 37 begin this way. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is driving at the fact that when our love for God is so filled inside of us, it can't help but overflow on the people around us. That when we love God first, the result is that we love people. Well, that's not terribly surprising. What's shocking in Jesus' words is that he says that there's something equally important as loving God with all of our hearts. In other words, in the mind of God, it matters as much how you love and worship God as how you love and serve people. There is no distinction. One of Jesus' followers, a man named John, said, anyone who says they love God but hates their brother does not know God. The, the way that we evidence this love for God is equally important. It's how we love other people. And Jesus actually goes a little further into this. But before we get there, let me introduce idea number three, or big idea number three. We are to love who Jesus loves. Another scripture writer, a man named Luke, tells us more of the story than what Matthew offers in the exchange between Jesus and the teacher of the law. Luke chapter 10 continues in this way, verse 29. This same man wanted to justify his actions, and so he asked Jesus a question. And who is my neighbor? Let me translate the question this man is asking. Jesus, what is the smallest possible circle of people I have to love? <laughs> I know the guy across the street's my neighbor, and maybe the guy's on either side of me, but what about the guy that's on the other side of the guy across the street? Do I have to love him? And Jesus is about to completely wreck this poor dude's day with a story that has come to be known, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, for the sake of time, we're not going to read this, so let me tell you it in case you're not familiar the, the Jewish people and the Samaritan people were at complete odds with each other. 
whatever aisle one was on, the other was on the exact opposite side of the aisle. These were enemies. And Jesus tells this religious Jewish Pharisee a story. He says a man was on a road and got beat up and all of his things got taken from him. And along that road, a priest came, saw the man, and walked on the other side of the road. Did not help him. Jesus says, then a Levite came, and he saw the same man, and he walked along the same opposite side of the road, didn't help the man. And then Jesus says, then came a Samaritan. And when a Samaritan saw the man, he bent down, he bandaged the man's wounds. He, he picked up the man and placed him on his own donkey. He, he walked with that donkey and the man riding in his place till he found an inn. And he told the innkeeper, take care of this man until he is well. And I will come back through and I will pay for every cent of his expenses when I return. Jesus said, now tell me, who is the neighbor to the man? In other words, Jesus is saying it's not a circle of people, it's every person in the world. It's the person you least like, that you least want to be around. It's the ones that make you the most uncomfortable. Jesus says if we're going to love people the way that Jesus does, we got to love everybody. So who is your neighbor? Let me seek to answer that for us, Horizon West and West Orange County. Your neighbor lives in a gated community in Windermere and in a motel on 192. Your neighbor is an undocumented immigrant who just arrived from Venezuela and is also a highly trained and skilled doctor who just moved here from New Jersey. Your neighbor is about to start their first year of kindergarten across the street at Panther Lake Elementary, and your neighbor is in her last days of life at the Blake in Hamlin. Your neighbor watches the other cable news channel, and next fall, they're going to vote for the other candidate. That's who your neighbor is. And let us never be guilty of saying, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, but I won't even cross the street in his name. Friends, if we're going to love the way Jesus loves, we've got to be willing to get our hands dirty. Jesus loves every person. You know, as I think about this truth, this is one that probably most people would say that they believe. You won't hear a lot of people, especially people that call themselves Christians, who don't believe that God loved the world. The challenge is, they're just not sure he really likes the world. <laughs> and there's a difference. It's one thing to say God so loved, but let me paraphrase it. God so much liked the world. God so much wanted to be around people. God so much wanted to cross the aisle and be in relationship and do life with people who are far from him. That's why he sent Jesus. It's not just that we grit our uh, teeth and we clench our fists and we say, I got to love this person. We got to learn to really like that person. We got to learn to see them the way that Jesus did. And that will lead us to big idea number four, which is this, go where Jesus sends. All this week at VBS, our kids had a rotation that was the missions rotation, and they got to learn about missionaries of Horizon West Church and First Baptist Orlando who are in places like East Asia and Central Asia, Nigeria and Madagascar, church plants in Colorado and Pennsylvania and otherwise and other places. And I want you to know that when a person goes from a place to another place as a missionary, there are really only two reasons. First, it's because of the love of Jesus. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul said the, the love of Christ compels us. In other words, that's the wind at our backs. It's not the shipwrecks, it's not the stonings, it's not that we're masochists, that we enjoy pain, but the love of Jesus that we've experienced drives us forward into the lives of other people who haven't yet heard the good news that there is a God who wants to save them. The love of Jesus first, and secondly, the call of Jesus. It could not be more clear than in Matthew 28, verse 19, when Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. My hope and prayer, Nikki's hope and prayer, our team's hope and prayer is these more than 300 kids at VBS this week learn to be the kind of person that is willing to go for Jesus wherever he would send them to get the good news of the gospel in the hands of people. But here's the even better news. It's not just about where we go for Jesus. It's about wherever we are understanding that we've been sent there by Jesus to love people to him. In Horizon West and at Horizon West Church, we have people who are going into emergency rooms of Advent Health and Orlando Health in the name of Jesus. We have people who are going into the executive offices of Disney World and Universal Studios. We have people going to checkout counters at Publix and Target and Walmart. We have people going to Panther Lake Elementary and Bridgewater Middle School and Horizon High School. It's not so much about where you go, it's about what God has sent you to do. And the one thing that we are all called to do, not a pastor, not a missionary, not a this or that, every follower of Jesus is called to do this. Go and make disciples. In other words, go and show other people how they can move in their knowledge of God and their relationship with God closer to him. When I was 15 years old and floundering in life as most 15-year-olds are, God spoke to me through his word. I was reading in the Gospel of John. I was a church kid, and so I had an, enough knowledge of where to find Jesus that I started reading there. And I came across these words in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could either believe that that was true or I could reject it, but the Spirit of God spoke in a way that was not audible but clear to me to say, Chris, this is the truth. The path of following Jesus, though it may be hard, though there may be seasons of difficulty or even confusion, though it'll feel at times like we are literally losing our faith, the grip of Jesus on us is strong, and the way of Jesus is good. And as we follow Jesus, we are following him to life. At 15 years old, I made the commitment that I would follow Jesus no matter what. And I've had the privilege since then to go to places like Haiti and Jamaica on missions trips. I've had the chance to lead teams of high school students all over the country on ministry experiences. I've had the chance to be a youth pastor and then a college pastor and then an adult ministry pastor. And then for a while they didn't know what to call me. And then I got to be a part of planting this incredible campus with so many of you. But it wasn't the where that mattered ultimately. It's always been the what. Jesus said go. Jesus said, whatever we put our hands to, do it to glorify him. Whoever we're around, live in such a way that they see the light of Jesus in us, that the world may know and glorify God. I want to close this part of the service with a question for you to reflect on. The question is this, how would your life be different if you changed not the location where you work or go to school, but if you changed the purpose for which 
you go there. And I want to leave that up for a minute because I want you to think some of you, God may be calling to go to a place like Africa or Asia or South America or the inner cities of our own nation. Some of you God will call to go. But all of us God has called to live sent in the places where he's called us to be. How would your life look different if that was true of you? We are going to close the service in kind of a unique way today as you continue to reflect on that question. In just a few minutes, we're going to all leave from here and go out to what we call our front porch. It's right in front of our auditorium, and we're going to have students and children being baptized. And in order for us to all be able to participate in that, I want to encourage if you are a parent who has a kid checked in in children's ministry, this would be a great time for you to make your way there. We're going to close with a song and then some final words. That will give you some time to get there and get back. We'd encourage you to do that. Uh, We've seen that anytime a person is baptized, and especially when it's children being baptized, other children go, hey, what does it mean for me to do that? And we get to walk yet another child or another adult into the life of following after Jesus. So parents, you can make your way out. And as you do, I'm going to pray for us. I want to pray for our children. I want to pray that God would take the message of his word and drive it deep into our hearts. And we'll enjoy the noise as I do. Let's go to God together. Father in heaven, God, I thank you for the the messy calling of Jesus on our life. I thank you for the way that you have redeemed us. You've saved us, God. You've sent us back into the world, not without purpose, not like a ship being tossed back and forth by waves. God, you've sent us on purpose to live on mission, to live for your glory. And so God, be glorified. Be honored through the baptisms. Be honored through everything that's about to take place because we do it for you and in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service times, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.